Hi, everyone. Welcome to Minority Mavericks. This is Angel Lina, your host, and this is the show where we tell the story of all minority entrepreneurs, founders, and investors of this world. And in today's show, I have the pleasure of having Joa Spearman, and he's the founder of Localure. And um, he, they're building something very interesting out there that a lot of people uh, may be able to actually uh, use in a very, very interesting way. So uh, welcome to the show, Joa. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to, you know, talk to the audience today and our listeners and, uh, of course, taking the time to uh, be on the show today. But just to get, you know, from the very beginning of things, uh, let's start with just introducing yourself. Uh, can you please, you know, introduce yourself and share your journey in becoming an entrepreneur or founder that you are today? Uh, right. And particularly uh, in the context of empowering local communities through local lure that that's your, you know, your startup. Yeah. Um yeah, so Joe Spearman, I um, have very, very recently made the move uh, after nearly two decades of living in Austin, Texas. I've moved to um, Sacramento, California, and I started Localer. Um, that it was my fourth company start that I started um, when I was a kid. When I was eleven, twelve years old, I started cutting grass and raking leaves for neighbors, and and that was kind of how I started out thinking of myself as a business person and very early on right actually in seventh grade my mom had a had a boss who was a, a black man named horace who owned a franchise of pizza huts actually and he was the early kind of inspiration for me seeing myself as an entrepreneur and fast forward 20 almost 25 years or 15 years actually um and i started my first business um i was about 25 26 years old i had a an agency supporting companies like FedEx with their social media and communications work. And then I, while I liked that work a lot, I wanted to do, do something okay. that was more rooted in Austin when I was living there. And so I opened a sneaker boutique in downtown Austin called Sneak Attack. And I, I ran that and I did pop-ups around town. And really the focus of that was about community. And, mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I, I kind of leveraged the understanding that I had around fashion and style to create and run the first ever fashion segment of South by Southwest Festival. So I did that Very for cool. a few years. And um, th through the process of that, I got really familiar with just serving the needs of a lot of travelers, whether that was people coming in town uh, for South by Southwest or people coming in town to Austin and, and landing in my sneaker boutique. And that was where the inspiration for Localer was born, which was this this notion of Everyone really, uh, they want to bypass where tourists go and they want to know where locals go. And, okay. but there was no place online to find that. And so what I created was, uh, a simple website where 12 of my friends in Austin recommended restaurants and bars and shops and things that they enjoyed in Austin. And uh, okay. we launched in March of 2013 and over the last 10 years expanded Localer to over 200 cities around the world with the same model. In every city, there are locals recommending locally owned businesses that they eat at, where they drink, where they shop, where they work out, things of that nature. That's very cool, Joe. And so I'm guessing that, you know, the, the Localer has, itself has fostered, right, a community of, of local people, right, in order to share these insights, right, in a global way, uh, in any kind of city out there, right? You guys have uh, over 200 cities or something like that now? Yeah, 209 cities. And, and you know, I, th I think what's interesting is, you know, I think in, with Web 1.0, it was really people just trying to 
bring stuff that was offline online. So you had right. the, you know, websites that were just kind of taking words uh, from from books and putting them on the internet. And I think with Web 2.0, then you had the introduction of social media. You right. know, in 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 the review world, you have TripAdvisor, you have Yelp. Um, you know, popularizing user-generated content reviews. And what we did, I think, was take it to the next level of saying, okay, that's cool. You have everything on the internet and you have these reviews, but the problem, so many of the problems with review sites was that so many of the reviews were from people who maybe that was their only time ever going to that restaurant, their only time ever going mm -hmm. to that bar because they were a visitor. And those aren't the people that we felt like have the best insight on what's happening in that city. It's the people who are actually the locals who go to that coffee shop you know, three times a week, mm -hmm. go to that restaurant a couple of times a month. Um, Definitely. People who are, who are the, you know, really knowledgeable. So that, that's our single source of, of insight was from these locals. Yeah, that's very cool. And how, how do you believe the platform itself contributes, right, to, to empowering these local entrepreneurs and local businesses, uh, especially those that are owned by minority people? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, one of the things I'm really proud of with the community we built is just the how many of the people are either people of color in our community they're women um they are people who they're really plugged into their cities they're djs they're designers they're photographers they're people who are out in the community and you know a lot of when we started out we actually got some pushback from locals because people were worried that we were pop we were going to ruin some of their favorite local spots their hidden gems mm. And yeah. one of the ways that we kind of got over that hump was really communicating to them that, hey, like that, that black owned restaurant that, you know, that women owned business, um, th these are the places that actually need our support. Like the best way you can help that business and that business owner is by evangelizing that business, you know, rather than trying to hide it for yourself, which is only going to hurt their bottom line is actually sharing it with your friends, sharing it with people mm -hmm. that, you know, that come in town. Um, so that yeah. was something that we used early on to help us kind of get over the hump with locals who were initially kind of hesitant, hesitant, hesitant to want to share their favorite spots. That's very cool. And you probably, I mean, this is kind of, of, a, of a big, you know, of a big thing, right, that you guys are building here in terms of not just, you know, what you're trying to accomplish with the platform itself, but just how to right, build these communities uh, of people that are willing to to leave these reviews, et cetera, et cetera, right? How, how does that work exactly? And, and have you seen any trends, for example, in terms of diversity and inclusion, right? Where it plays, you know, the background of, of these kind of people that, that are part of these communities, right? How diverse is, uh, are these communities, right? That, that are providing these kind of insights for, um, for the travelers? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Unfortunately, I think one of the one of the realities of, of the travel industry is that it's it's very white, um, and that's that's true whether you go to you know at the city level looking at who owns hotels, um, to mm -hmm. the, the macro level of the travel industry. If you look at who are the executives of the big travel companies like TripAdvisor, Airbnb, et right. cetera, tend to be white males, and so it's not a very diverse industry. But then. When you see the influence that travel has, you know, it tends to be people of color who are really driving culture, driving behavior um, in yeah. terms of adopting new destinations and things like that. And so a lot of what we've tried to do is just, you know, find unique ways and partnerships to highlight, you know, these 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 local tastemakers in the places that they're recommending. So we've done partnerships over the years with big brands to try to raise the profile, not only of the the 
localer, but mostly of the people who are these local tastemakers. And then by extension, the places that they've recommended. So we've partnered over mm -hmm. the years with Nike, with Lyft, with Match.com, with JetBlue Airways. Um, and these brands have, you know, massive reach and we have very small reach. And so in, in, in most cases, whenever we partner with these brands, we're not telling the brand, hey, promote localer. We're usually saying, hey, promote the businesses, promote the the locals, because Got it. that's the actual way to, to really support those communities. Definitely. Definitely. That's very, very interesting. And I'm pretty sure that as you're building this and as you have you know started, actually, since the very beginning, you probably face a lot of different challenges, right? And now to maybe talk a, a little bit about minorities, right? And diversity and inclusion. Can you share with uh, the audience any significant challenges that you face while building Locular and yeah. you know, how you navigate it through them? Totally. I mean, I, I, I'm very proud of the way in which I have not been shy to speak openly about some of these issues, especially around fundraising. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when most people think of tech startups, they think of, you know, someone going to Silicon Valley and being able to raise millions of dollars from some venture capital firm, um, you know, because they maybe they watch the movie Social Network and the origin story of Facebook and all that. And the reality is for most black and brown founders, that's not the case. It's not that it, it doesn't happen. It has happened. I have friends who've been able to raise venture capital and that's been great, but, but the numbers are, are just dismal. It's below 10, uh, below 2% funding goes to black founders, for example, below one and a half percent. Uh, if you're thinking about, uh, black and brown founders, um, and then if it's below 1%, if you're talking about black women, um, so it's, it's really important. I think people in my mm -hmm. position, use our platforms to speak about, you know, the hardships around fundraising, I think for two reasons. I think one is so that the investors out there understand that, hey, if you hear about a company or a startup that is growing and it's it's got a, a you know, a Latino or a black founder or a woman founder, then the reality is we're doing, we're having that growth in the face of those obstacles that are in front of us. Um, right. So that's one. So in for educating the investors, but I think the other end, is educating potential founders to say, hey, like your path to fundraising may not be as clear as, you know, maybe what you saw on uh, social, mm -hmm. social network. And so it really, what's important is that you think about, okay, what type of business are you trying to build? Are you building a business that requires venture capital funding? If it doesn't, then maybe you want to find something that's going to get to profitability or revenue quicker. Um, right. You know, I've, I've had different kinds of businesses. Like I said, I had an agency. I didn't have to raise money for that. I just started making revenue from clients. Um, I had a sneaker boutique that was day in, day out retail business. Um, I have had a tech startup. And it's funny that I've had other businesses that have made much more revenue than the, 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 the tech startup. Um, so okay. I think it just, it really requires you to have both eyes open in terms of what are you trying to build? How big can it be? Um, and then coming up with a fundraising strategy that acknowledges the realities that that black and brown founders especially face but also you know doesn't use that as a as a hindrance to um pursuing you know the idea that you think and i think another thing that i'll add is a lot of people come up to me especially after i after i do like a speaking gig and people say oh i have an idea for an app or i have an idea for a website and i think it's really important that people understand that no one cares about an app no one cares about a website people want to have problems solved. Right. And, and so 
the, the whichever the, that way it is, right? <laughs> your ability to solve a problem is the thing that's going to dictate your ability to, you know, build a, a healthy company. And I'm, what I'm really excited about is that there are a lot of black and brown founders, especially now who I think who um, they saw kind of how hard it was for them with fundraising. And I think there are people who are both going straight to revenue and saying, you know what, forget the path of going after VCs. I'm going to go straight to revenue and build a business, business on my own. Um, and there are people who are saying, you know what, okay, I do want to pursue VC. And so I'm going to kind of think a little bit harder about making sure that my, my the problem I'm trying to solve is really scalable and has the kind of returns that a VC needs to see to justify investment. Right. right. And it's, it's a different path. And I've seen that personally myself. Um, you know, I've been in the startup world for, for a while now, and I've seen that path as well, multiple multiple times where minority owned businesses have had to take that path where they decide, okay, you know, we, we can't get right funding for this like idea, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, or that precede stage. Uh, so let's just, you know, try to, try to get into the revenue mode, uh, just to yeah. see if that, you know, just gathering people, gathering users, uh, community members, whatever it is, uh, that actually then, you know, potentially could attract right investors at that point, but it takes more, Right mm -hmm. for for these people to put their projects in front of investors and investor actually deciding that there's this there's no risk right and it's that that yeah. fake risk that mm -hmm. that uh, investors talk about with minority groups uh, so yeah I mean it's it's very interesting that you that you're building this all this without you know necessarily that uh, and it's really interesting as well that uh, being a minority person as well you've been able to navigate through all these different challenges and. And uh, yeah, I mean, so, it's, it's definitely know. not, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, I, I think, yeah, <laughs> I think it's important that people understand there's a difference between, I would say there's, th there's three categories. I would say there are people who are entrepreneurial and everyone who's entrepreneurial doesn't need to own their own business and be their right. own boss. So, you know, like I, I want my first piece of advice that I give people who say they want to be an entrepreneur actually is go get paid to learn, like go take a mm -hmm. job. Get, let someone else pay you to get your skills up. And, and you know, when I, before I started Localer, I specifically took a job for a growth stage startup in Austin and worked for okay. them for a year and a half with the specific intent of developing more skills so that I could mm -hmm. start Localer. Um, and it worked out Very for me. Cool. And so I think that's something that people should do. I think, I think there's also a difference between being an entrepreneur and being a business owner. Um, and the difference there to me is an entrepreneur understands that the resources don't exist. Maybe, oftentimes you don't have the money yet. Uh, maybe all you have is, is a problem you want to solve, an idea you have. Whereas a business owner, I think with a business, typically I would liken that more to, you know, going to college um, right. or, you know, where there's, there's a known path. If you say, I want to open up a dry cleaner, you know, you, you and a thousand other people have done that. Um, whereas if you say, I want to start a new startup that's going to completely disrupt the dry cleaning industry. Okay, well, now, where do you even start, right? right? So I think it's really important. And there's nothing wrong with being a business owner. I think actually, I think a lot of tech entrepreneurs specifically don't respect small business owners. Like I have a lot mm -hmm. of tech friends who I think they think that what they are doing is harder than the person who owns a mm -hmm. mom and pop restaurant or a small clothing boutique. And I can tell you from having done a sneaker boutique, retail and day-to-day -day business brick and mortar is hard. It's extremely mm -hmm. hard. And Definitely. so I think there's a lot of lessons that they that they've learned uh, through hard knocks that tech entrepreneurs could could benefit from, and vice versa. 
Uh, but I th really think it's also important for people to make that determination of, do I want to be a business owner? Do I want to be an entrepreneur? Or am I just entrepreneurial and I want to apply those skills somewhere? Right, exactly. Uh, and 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 then to your point about VC and all that as well, you know, there's, there's also this, uh, I don't know, it's just like this negative, right, image of, of a business only working if you get funded by a VC, mm -hmm. right? Especially in the tech world, there's a lot mm -hmm. of that going on. Yep. Um, yep. And that's, you know, you're definitely proof that that's not necessarily the case. And for our listeners out there, you know, it's not, right? Um, well, yeah, yep. I mean, people say, oh, it's a ways. lifestyle business. Oh, you know, right. and it's like, it's like, <laughs> you know what? If you say, oh, having a small business is a lifestyle business, I'm like, what do you think that half the guys playing in the NFL and NBA who aren't right. famous stars, like they are in the lifestyle business and they're making good money. Like there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with lifestyle businesses. Like, like having a good life is a good thing. So this right. idea of like, oh, I have to work 120 hours a week and burn the midnight oil and, and to try to attract some VC funding, all this stuff. Like, yeah, that that's worked for Mark Zuckerberg. That's worked for Elon Musk. That's worked for some <laughs> right. of these people. But it doesn't mean that 98% of people who want to really honestly own a business, not necessarily be a tech entrepreneur need to pursue. Definitely. There's there. And, and then currently with the issues in diversity and inclusion, right? There's, there's a mold that, that people need to fit in, in order for, for that path, you know, for that happy path, right. To just, to just happen, right. Where you basically don't necessarily struggle. You have an idea, you reach out to a VC and boom, you know, next thing you know, you're, you're funded um, and, and growing. Right. And, mm -hmm. it, there's there's a lot of businesses you know that have failed as well trying to pursue that path as well and mm -hmm. and that's you know up to of course the the founding entrepreneur to quickly switch to you know the, that strategy uh, especially right in the in the minority world um, mm -hmm. you guys you guys are local uh, are are focusing though on on local owned businesses right yes yes I mean it, we we you know it's funny because. Over the last 10 years, there are some comp some some restaurants that maybe let's say they had the first location in Austin and then they, they had success and they were able to grow and expand to Houston. So for cases like that, we'll still recommend, let them be recommended in Houston. But for the most part, okay. we stay away. We totally stay away from chains. You know, we don't need, you know, the because that's, that's part of the problem I'm trying to solve. When I had my sneaker boutique, right. one of my pet peeves was that if you went on to Yelp and you searched the word sneakers or shoes, Foot Locker would come up before my sneaker boutique, even though I'm the right. lo local business owner in downtown Austin. Foot Locker is in the mall, like half out of, halfway out of town. Right. And it was because they have marketing budget. And so I wanted to build a platform where marketing budget didn't dictate, you know, what places showed up. I wanted to make a place where it's really just about what the locals were saying is legit. And right. so, you know, if you, you know, you're looking for a restaurant in New York, you're not going to get TGI Fridays. You're not going to get Applebee's. You're not going to get uh, Burger King. You're going to get Good. a local spot that's only in New York, or maybe they've grown and now they're also in Philly. Very cool. Very cool. I love that. I definitely do. Um, you know, I'm, um, I'm, minor, I'm, I'm a minority person as well. I'm, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Um, and, you know, as, uh, as someone that doesn't live necessarily in their country or uh, where they're coming from, right? Um, I do miss, you know, a lot of my things and mm -hmm. sometimes it's mm -hmm. hard to, uh, to even just look it up, uh, and Google or whatever, everything that, that shows up is kind of generic, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember, uh, maybe a few weeks uh, ago or maybe a couple of months ago, actually, uh, we found this, uh, Puerto Rican place that I've never heard before and I've been looking for it 
Um, you know, I've been looking for a Puerto Rican restaurant that sells like authentic Puerto Rican food. Um, and I couldn't find anything, given that, first of all, where I'm in New York. Uh, so there's, you know, Puerto Ricans here, of course, but in my area, um, you know, it's been really hard and, and it took me, you know, months to find just one uh, out yeah. there. So very cool what you guys are doing. Uh, I really like that. So how, how, since you guys are focusing then, you know, on, on locally owned businesses again, which it's amazing uh, to support that, how, how do you see that the platform impacting the economic landscape um, of the community, right, that it serves, particularly in supporting minority entrepreneurs and minority um, founded uh, and, you know, started businesses? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, having been a, a brick and mortar small business owner myself, I know that the single most important thing that we can do and that we try to do to, to help businesses is to get them customers and, and, and really to get them customers, not one time, but customers who are going to evangelize their businesses. So that's on the local side, that's on the visitor side as well. So it's amazing that even though I built this thing to serve travelers, half of our users are locals. So because you have an instance, for example, let's say a city like Houston, Houston is a big city. Um, and it, it's very hard if you open a business in one side of Houston and you're 30 minutes away from the other side of Houston, you know, a local, it may not take that 30 minute drive if they've never heard of your spot. And so it's, there's this interesting thing that happens where a traveler is probably more willing to make that drive if they heard a place is good. And so right. there's this kind of interesting word of mouth network effect that happens where a traveler will visit a place and then a local will hear about it through the traveler and vice versa. And that happens to me all the time. Like I just went to New okay. York and I, every time I go to New York, there are places that I've been to or go to that even my friends who live in New York haven't been to, you know, cause maybe they live in Brooklyn and it's hard for them to go to Harlem right, or right. they live in mm -hmm. Long Island city. They're not likely to go to downtown Manhattan. And so I think that that's one of the interesting things that, that we've tried to cultivate is this, this environment where, the locals have the authority because they know the city, but the travelers have, uh, they have this authentic experience that, you know, isn't common. It's not the common tourist experience. And so I think by having those experiences, they were able to, you know, relay that message back to locals like, oh, this is a place that I've had a good time. So I think, you know, our bottom line value to businesses is really, can we help them stay in business? You know, if, can we, right. a place that, you know, normally would have maybe gone out of business after one year or two years. Can we help them stay in business for four years or five years? Um, a place that maybe they were going to have a hard time trying to stay open. Can we help them uh, during a slow season when there's not a lot of, um, you know, people in town because people vacation or whatever, that kind of thing. So, right. I, you know, I think one of the challenges that we've had in Localer is that what we do is very, is very hard to measure. Um, it's, it's, you know, because there, there's no one really keeping track of, um, okay, this restaurant that, you know, when was, was it going to go out of business before they got these customers to show up? And so it's really hard to kind of show, oh, we, we helped them stay open an extra three months or an extra six years or whatever. Right. Um, right, right. but, but it doesn't, even though it's hard to measure, doesn't mean it's not worth pursuing. And so, um, you know, it's the right. same thing with, you know, when I worked in the sneaker world, you know, if, if the popularity of sneakers was the only thing to determine which ones were the best ones, then the sneakers that the sneakerheads loved would be the one that sold the most. And we all know that, no, that's not true. Right. 
You know, like right. the shoes that sell, sells the most is the one that's maybe it's in the mall, it's low priced, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the most coveted. And it's mm -hmm. the same thing with these businesses. It's like, just because more people maybe go eat at Chili's or McDonald's doesn't mean that that local mom and pop restaurant isn't just as good or if not better, honestly. Definitely. Definitely. Although actually people won't prefer the other restaurant they just they just know don't know about mm -hmm. yep um yep. so yeah definitely definitely i see it and i love i love the you know the idea of what you're building here joa um you know i really respect what you're doing uh, for sure and i appreciate the fact that you know it's not just about you right building your business but it's about you building a business that's helping not just other people but it's helping people that are actually underrepresented like we know you know small business owners right uh, in many many occasions are underrepresented and on top of that then you add the diversity inclusion the minority side of things and you know now you have even more struggles so um you know your your proof right that uh things can happen um uh, for for minority people we just need to find different paths there's different ways and your story tells uh you know a different perspective actually you know i've had uh, quite a few vcs in the show as well and other other founders and entrepreneurs that have started companies uh because of vc funding etc and it's interesting to see your perspective versus their perspective mm -hmm. it's still it's still a struggle uh, in the sense that, you know, they, they have the same stories that you have in terms of the uh, struggle with, with uh, funding and just struggle mm -hmm. with yep. connecting with people that actually believe in you, yep. um, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. they, they still struggle with the same things. Um, and, and I just want uh, listeners and any aspiring people, uh, minority people out there to understand that there are different paths of building businesses. Uh, there are mm -hmm. different paths of you doing things you don't need necessarily to reach out to a VC in order for you to start your business or you don't necessarily need a loan, for example, to even start a business, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, yet another one of the things that a lot of minority people kind of struggle getting uh, for these uh, things as well, right? Given mm -hmm. that the whole the whole spectrum, right, is is, is uh, tilted um, to, to the wrong side, I would say, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, I really appreciate your story, uh, Joa. This was all great. Uh, Look Allure is, you know, amazing what you guys are doing. But, you know, before we leave here, though, looking ahead, right, do you have any other uh, future plans uh, personally or with Look Allure yeah. itself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, here it is. It's, uh, you know, we're embarking on 2024. And, you know, I'm really excited because I have another company that I'm starting that um, that is taking a very different funding path than Look Allure. Look Allure, nice. you know, I put, you know, I... I put the first money in, um, you know, I, I really, I went into debt for local or I, I, over 10 years, I probably put $300,000 in, um, and was, you know, paying myself $30,000 a year for a decade. Um, really, you know, in a lot of ways, just like constantly showing, improving with the business. Um, whereas with this, this new one that I'm starting, that's in stealth right now, it in, in part because of the, the track record that I've built over the years. Um, I was able to very quickly attract, you know, institutional venture capital at the pre-seed stage to kind of get going with the, with the idea and the business. So okay. it's 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 really interesting because I think so often what people don't realize is that the most successful entrepreneurs tend to be serial entrepreneurs. I mean, every now and then you get an example of someone leaving a day job to start something um, mm -hmm. the first time and making a hit with it. But even, you know, Zuckerberg, all these people that people know about, even they had smaller successes or failures before they, they did their big thing. Um, so mm -hmm. I think what I would recommend, again, kind of similar to the notion of getting a job 
before you getting a job and getting paid to learn before you go pursue something, I would say, don't, if, if you view yourself as an entrepreneur, you know, is it that you have one problem that you think you'll ever solve in your life and you're going to work on that for the rest of your life or that you have one in a series of ideas that you're in problems you're going to solve. And if so, then you really want to try to play to the odds of, okay, this, you know, I, hopefully this works out, but then eventually getting to some stage of, okay, is this successful enough for me to continue pursuing it or should I, you know, start something else? And what's been interesting about this is, you know, I, I did want to have more success with local or early on. I wanted to raise institutional venture capital, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Um, but over the years, being unable to do that, it it forced me to kind of think differently about the business and and, and turned it yeah. into something that people would say is more like a lifestyle business. Whereas this new thing that I have pre-seen funding for, it's much more of like, okay, this this works in the eyes of an institutional venture capital where they, capitalist where they think it has outsized uh, scale. Um, so I, again, okay. I think it just goes back to those fundamentals of what problem are you trying to solve? How big can it be? Um, and what resources it takes to get there and being really pragmatic about how to go get those resources. Very great, Joe. I really appreciate that. And, you know, the advice is amazing. Um, definitely a lot of minority aspiring entrepreneurs and founders out there um, need to listen and hear these kind of things. So uh, again, thank you so much for, for being on the show today. Um, yeah, thanks, we, thanks so I really enjoyed it. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Appreciate and everyone, this was Joe Spearman. He is the founder of Look Alert. And this is Angel Leon, your host. This was his show, Minority Mavericks. And this is the show where we tell the stories of all minority founders, entrepreneurs, and investors of this world. See you next time.